Uh, Tom, I need a uh, uh, on God no cap. Um, I need one that's all all together, so I don't have to hit all the buttons. Because I just go on God no cap. What are the straight bussing? What are the other for things? For real, for real, for real, for real. I, I like to say fr fr and really, you know, show my age on that. Even though I know it's for real, for real. Like you saw it online, and like you think that's what it is. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I want people to make fun of me and be like, dude, you know it's for real, for real. I'll be like, FRFR, yeah. Welcome to Pod 256, a not-so-weekly Bitcoin podcast focused on mining, energy, and proof of work. Hosted by me, Rod at BitKite on Twitter, and you can find me on Noster as well. And the other co-host of Pod 256, just the one and only and greatest of all time. By the way, he doesn't pay me to say that. Econo Alchemist. How you doing, my friend? I'm doing good. I'm traveling today, so there may be some background noise with dogs and kids and all that, but we're in an Airbnb, so uh, just be forewarned. Got it. Although Tom's sa- so saying that you sound com- so much better than you do uh, previously. Yeah, I'm not in my echo chamber of a garage. I'm in like uh, somebody's bedroom with my laptop and my with a different microphone. And so, yeah, maybe I should just make traveling a regular, regular part of the show. Yeah, totally. Especially on a show that makes zero money. I think we should add that to the uh, budget. Um, That's good. We should add a film crew too and just make it like moonshiners, but with Bitcoiners. And I'll just travel around the country like finding the craziest home mining setups yes i agree uh and i kind of want to do this on site by the way i I feel like i I don't want this this pod i feel like our fit is with the plebs and we're going to bring scott on here in a second where we can help you know in our own way amplify their what they've been building and what they've been uh, doing but there's probably some massive sites i'd be like hey hopefully invite us out to their sites to show us and we record like a live podcast uh pod 256 episode there that would be pretty fun yeah it would be cool because i've never actually stepped foot in like a legit like mining operation like a legit one like like one megawatt plus where they're like racks on racks on racks yeah i'd say dude the largest setup i've probably seen was probably my own setup actually like I don't I don't think I've been to like anyone else's like like mining facility. When we uh do the telehash, we'll go, well, uh, if we have time because I'm going to be just beat uh afterwards. I I I've I've budgeted like 3 days worth of recovery and I've already have a plan and we'll get to that in a second. But uh there's a couple um sites locally that we can go uh take a look at. I've been I've been to uh I don't know if he wants me to say it, but uh you know, Barn Miner. Yeah, yeah. Like our biggest fan. Yeah, dude. So when I was traveling, I was in close proximity to where he's at. So we connected and I got oh, invited over to his house for dinner. And he showed me the barn where he started mining Bitcoin. So I've been there and that was awesome to see. That is Because awesome. he was like one of the first guys that really like took to my guide and like, like it clicked with him. And he was like, dude, I want to mine Bitcoin at home too. And like he made it work. So. Yeah. Um, Awesome. Let me go. So today's October 5th, 2023. We're at block height 810755. That sounds about right. And the halving is due in 
202 days, according to our folks over at CoinWars.com. Uh, and finally, we're on episode number 30 with our special guest, Scott9000. Scott9000, how you doing, my friend? Good. I'm doing great. Happy to be here. This is cool. Yeah, man. The pleasure is all ours. Um, before we jump into you, will you come and join us on the Telehash? Yes, please. It's my yeah. dream. <laughs> Eco and I, when we started this podcast, Tom, stop laughing. When we started this no, podcast, yeah, no, that's exactly. This is a serious yeah, podcast, we, Tom. We make dreams come true. That's well, how we started the pod. It was like we. <laughs> you, what was that uh, show where they? Uh, oh, shit, not the Telehash, but there's like another the one. The Price Is Right. No, not what I was thinking. But we we should do a Price Is Right pod fifty six one. That's a good idea. Put that in the bank, Tom. The. Uh, it's like the kids that like dream of like things and then we, we make them come become true. Oh make a make wish. A, make oh. a wish. We're like the make yeah. a wish of Bitcoin. Scott wanted to come join a telehash, you know, and we made that wish come true. It's a miracle. <laughs> um, awesome. We will get you in a primetime slot and uh, the telehash is coming together. Like speaking of, you know, uh, Eco, your, your uh, educational content I was catching up with Eric Hersman at White African on Twitter, the co-founder and CEO of Gridless Compute. And I think I may have mentioned this before on the last pod, but um, you know, diverters uh, mining for the streets is like he shares that locally in Africa with like his other communities and other folks in his network constantly. Um, That's amazing. Yeah, he and I are catching up next week to talk about the telehash. Some really interesting ideas he's presenting. I just, on Eco's behalf, cannot thank all of you guys from Barn Miner, uh, uh, Pleb Miner, Ronan Miner, uh, Stoic Energy, Aaron over there, like others that are just coming up with the, all these crazy. Like, I think I'm crazy, and I know Eco's crazy, and your craziness combined with our craziness is going to make possibly this telehash <laughs> into something. <laughs> pretty special and i was saying off air it's going to be a great magic show i hope we just got to make sure it doesn't become a fucked up magic show and it won't yeah i i think we can keep it from going dark yeah exactly schnitzel we need you coming so i'll, I'll sh send you a, a signal message because this is actually happening um and uh yeah we'll have some fun yeah, we'll see what happens. I mean, your mind can definitely start to wander when you're going on 24 hours with no sleep. So we'll try and keep our minds clear and the content clean. That's why I think uh, I, I'm going to, on my to-do by Friday is to take the first draft of the schedule and I'll share it with the folks that have uh, raised their hand and wanting to participate. And then, because I feel like this follow the sun idea is an interesting one where we're going to start at 8 p.m. on that Tuesday, Scott, and then we're going to conclude at our monthly meetup, which is the following day, Wednesday. At, uh, it starts at 5 o'clock, I want to say, and then it ends at 8 p.m. So, like, the, the, the telehash will conclude with the meetup. So, like, it's kind of like the marathon you're running, and at the finish line you got, like, and at, at, that, at that meetup we'll have, you know, probably 200 plus people at that meetup. So it'll be good energy wise for us eco to really finish off, finish strong. Definitely. That sounds amazing. Yeah, man. Uh, eco, you want to talk about, uh, folks, how they can, 
who's been contributing and stream stats, point hash, and all that good stuff. Yeah, shout out to the folks who have been pointing us hash rate uh, over the last few weeks here. This is a 100% audience-supported podcast. We don't have any sponsors. And so if you're interested in supporting the podcast, you can pick any Lincoin mining URL and put that in your miner's configuration file and then use the pod256 worker name. And if you want, you can append that with dot whatever your alias is. And then if you use like your Twitter handle, for example, then we can find you online and give you a shout out. Uh, but over the last few weeks here, we've had uh, Hashrate contributed to our mining account from Blizzabler and Rock Paper Bitcoin podcast. Nice. Massive, massive thank you uh, on that front. Um, I think this was one of our most, uh, what's the right word? Not anticipated or uh, we were looking forward to the most just because we have a million questions to ask this guy. Um, I don't even know where the best place to start is, Eco. Well, I guess, um, Scott, like, so, you know, I'm sure most of our listeners are going to know who you are and what you've been up to, but just for anyone who hasn't, you've been working on this really awesome project and this is what caught my attention and it's called the Bitaxe. And it's a fully open source Bitcoin mining hardware platform. And I thought this was particularly important because there's not an open source mining hardware solution available widely right now. And I know that like Jack Dorsey's company Block was trying to work on some open source hardware, but not, I haven't seen anything develop out of that yet. And so your project is fully open source and you can mine Bitcoin with it. And it's a, it's a seemingly simple device. I mean, I'm sure there's a lot of complication under the hood and like a tremendous amount of effort that went into making it all work together. But um, I just would like to take some time to get to know you and, you know, who you are, where you came from, how you got into Bitcoin. And then what's important about open source to you and how did you get started with this Bitaxe project? And then, you know, talk about what Bitaxe is and what it can do and really what it's laying the foundation for, for the future. Wow. I, I don't think I've ever been introduced as most people know about your project. So this is pretty exciting. Like this sort of exponential increase in, in the excitement about this project is, is kind of blowing my mind. So this is cool. This is cool. Um, so I guess um, my, my background is in electrical engineering. That's what I studied in school. Um, but I had been kind of, um, I've been definitely interested in, in sort of that field before school. Um, and uh, I think this is maybe what like, inspired me to, to, to get into these sort of revolutionary technologies. Um, in high school, I ran a pirate radio station in my parents' basement Hell for yes. like six months. Um, and like, you know, this obviously didn't know much about electronics then, but like, you know, in the very early, very, very early internet, like figured out how to build an FM transmitter and an antenna. And me and my good buddy at the time, like climbed up the tallest tree in my parents' yard and like put an antenna up there and we're broadcasting and we were like, 
you know, it was that like Christian Slater movie, Pump of the Body. We were like, we were, we were that in high school, which was awesome. And, you know, everyone loved it. And uh, it, you know, it, it all ended when the FCC showed up at my parents' house. But, uh, you know, it was, you know, they gave me Guns a warning. Guns blazing? Uh, well, gold badges. Gold it's badges. actually kind of funny. They like, you know, we were, I was in the basement and they like rolled up in this like white van and came out and my dad was like in the front yard doing something. And they're like, hey, do you know anything about a pirate radio station? <laughs> <laughs> we're door knocking. We're knocking on doors. <laughs> yeah, right. Like they didn't know where it was at this point. Uh, and my dad's like, oh yeah, it's in the basement. You got to talk to my son. Damn it, Wait, are those the handcuffs? Yeah, I'll <laughs> hold them down. Yeah, let's go get them. <laughs> oh, man. I, I don't know if I told my, my parents, like, the exact legality of all of what we were doing at the time. But, uh, you know, it, it was cool. Like, the FCC's stance was like, you know, you can't do this. Um, but uh, I think they kind of understood why we might want to. Um, and so, you know, they gave me a stern talking to and said, never do this again. And I agreed. No fines? No fines. No fines. They're, they gave me this, like, very formal-looking, like, you know, citation that, that threatened, yeah. like, hundreds of thousands of dollars in fine and jail time and, and all that. But um, you were below probably 18 years old or whatever that age yes, is where was, you're, okay, you're, like, yeah. a juvenile. So they're probably like, dude, just stop this or something. Yeah. What were yeah. you broadcasting on your radio station? I mean, me and all my buddies were in high school, so I don't know if it was the most sophisticated uh, programming ever, but, you know, we <laughs> we bought some music. We had a couple talk shows, you know. It was sort of like, hey, like, you want to be on my radio station? Like, okay, yeah. We had, like, a couple CD players and and some microphones. It was that's uh, awesome. so much fun. So much fun. That's awesome. But it, it kind of, you know... I don't know. Got me interested in in those sorts of alternative kinds of things, and uh, I like to think that that sort of made me at least interested in, in Bitcoin when I first heard about it, which was obviously several years later. So did they? Sorry, I back to the FCC. Did they like <laughs> triangulate your like rough location? Like, how did they get yeah. close enough to you to like go like pick out a few houses and be like, it's got to be one of these houses? Yeah, they they it's exactly it's triangulation. They have two antennas, right? And they look at the signal strength coming from each antenna and it's like, oh, yeah. the one on the right's stronger. Let's go right. Um, you know, I'm pretty convinced when they showed up at my house to talk to my dad, it was probably because there was someone in the front yard. Yeah, yeah. And they didn't know where it was. Um, and you know, I think even in talking with my dad, they're like, we're looking for like a giant antenna, right? Like because we, we, my parents' house on the side of a hill, and so we had really good coverage throughout the region. And uh, so awesome, you know, they were looking for something big, and my dad's like, "No, no, no, it's way up there." And- <laughs> <laughs> oh man! So, so you do this, and then now, like, what's the next phase? You, you go to college, you go study electrical engineering, and start messing around in college as well, or you kind of are buttoned up and straight laced in college. Well, um, yeah. I what was your like, next run in with the three letter agencies? That's, that, that's what I was trying to get to. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> no, no, never. I'm straight laced. No, do not worry. Um, I actually like took some time off after high school and uh, screwed around and like I, it was 
It was the dot-com boom, and they were hiring anyone with a pulse to work on computers, and I got a job at Apple. Hell yeah. Um, so, like, moved to Silicon Valley and was working on Apple. It was, you know, as a as an Apple fanboy, this was, like, a dream come true and was doing that and, like, meeting all kinds of, like, at least celebrities in, in that industry and, you know, having a good time. Um, but I was, I was, like, doing QA on, like, firmware for DVD drives. Uh, not, like, the most exciting. And Apple, even, even then, was a really, really big company and was sort of, like, uh, I don't know, the novelty of it wore off, I guess. And so I decided to go. I, I was, that's when I developed my sort of interest in uh, electronics and um, decided to just go back to school. So I, I did, like, city college, you know, community college for, like, a long time. I think I had, like, talked to a, uh, um, like, one of the, you know, the guidance counselor or whatever at City College when I first started there. And I told them, yeah, yeah I want to do electrical engineering, right? And they're like, I don't know. That's a bad choice. You know, you, you're going to have a lot of math and, uh, you know, <laughs> wow. you have to start at, like, algebra. Like, he's, like, looking at my transcript. He's like, you're going to have to start at, like, algebra uh, and, and work your way up. And I was like, I don't know, whatever. Like, we'll just do it. So I, I went to, like, community college for, like, five years. Um, and then, uh, I eventually like, I, I got, it was cool. Like, you know, at community college, it, it turns out if you're into it, like there's a lot of, a lot of like other people that are into it and you can, you can really just like dig in and get into school. So I think it's a fantastic system. Then I, I transferred to Berkeley and, uh, that was like mind blowing, right? It's like a storied institution of, of knowledge and like all sorts of legends there. Um, like a lot of the open source stuff that we, you know, take for granted now was developed at Berkeley. Uh, like um, uh, free, B well, BSD, Berkeley Systems Linux, FreeBSD was developed there. Um, a lot of the like, um, there's a thing called Spice, which is for uh, analyzing uh, electronic circuits, open source, like developed there. It's just like this really cool, you know, vibe of open source like in one of my lectures uh richard stallman who's the um, oh, man. he's the uh gnu you know like diehard open source champion like came and talked and it was just like he was so passionate like people were standing up in class and being like but but how do you make money you know how do you how do you like you can't you can't just do this you can't just give away your software for free and he'd be like nope like absolutely yes you can it's imperative like you cannot charge for software. He was so passionate about it. Um, that's awesome. Yeah, that was a fantastic place to be. And I think that's what like sort of inspired or, or you know, led me to learn about the necessity of, of open source stuff and, and seeing, you know, how those small projects at the time have come to like, you know, dominate the the scene, right? Like who uses Microsoft web server anymore, right? Like, Everyone uses Linux, Apache, you know, it's 100%, I would say, of the, the web market, so. Right. And that, like, tying into Bitcoin mining, you know, we've got, like, Bitmain and MicroBT and, like, two closed source platforms for mining hardware. And so how do, how do you get into, I guess, first, how do you get into Bitcoin? And then how did you get into Bitcoin mining? Well, um, I think it was probably after I graduated, but I was at a house party and um, 
I had, you know, I'd heard about Bitcoin, right? I'd like read the blogs and stuff. I heard about it and it's just sort of, okay, this sounds interesting. But I was at a house party and I started talking to this random dude there. And, you know, he's like, oh my gosh, I'm buying all these drugs on Silk Road. <laughs> I was like, well, that's, that's interesting. And he, he was like very into it. It was like, you know, in the middle of this house party, he's like, I'm going to go get my laptop, like bust it out. We're getting on Silk Road. Like right now, I'm going to show you all these things. And uh, it was it was blowing my mind. I'm like, this is so wild. I can't even believe this exists, right? You know, I had those, um, those tour URLs that are just like these long yeah. strings of random characters. And it was just never even knew that anything like that existed. And I remember... You know, he's showing me this, like, Silk Road was wild. It's like fake IDs, guns, drugs, like, kind of, and it had this vague, like, look like Amazon. And uh, so he's showing it to me, and I'm, I'm looking at the prices, and I'm like, well, you know, how much is Bitcoin worth? And he's like, I think it's like $30. It was like $30 each, right? So I'm doing that calculation in my head. I'm like, wow, dude, that's that's cool. And oh, he's like, oh, and I'm going to, you know, I think it was local Bitcoins. I guess I'm going to cafes. And I'm like giving people cash and they're sending me Bitcoin, you know, so it's completely offline, completely private, right? And that's how I'm getting these drugs. And uh, that was sort of my first like introduction to it and like what it actually could do and like what it was worth and and all that. And the utility of it. Yeah. yeah no kidding. Yeah. So um, I didn't I didn't do anything with it then. I just, you know, that was kind of my like eye-opening experience as to like what Bitcoin was and what you could do with it. And then it was, you know, money, internet money. Um, and I think fast forward like a couple more years, and I'm, I'm actually now working at the university in one of the labs. And we had a, like a digital design lab that was full of FPGAs. And this was a really big lab, just with these FPGAs at every desk. Um, for the students to like do their lab projects on, right? But, you know, the lab was in use like, I don't know, like three hours a day maybe, right? So here's all these FPGAs and they wouldn't even turn them off, right? They would just leave them on like 24-7 in this lab and each one's tied to a computer. So I was very interested in FPGAs and um, somehow Bitcoin came up and Bitcoin mining and how they're doing it on FPGAs. And I was like, all right, light bulb comes on and... Uh, so this was so cool back then is I just Googled like, you know, Bitcoin FPGA miner and up pops an open source implementation of a FPGA Bitcoin miner, like the Bitstream. And I had to modify it a little bit because it was made for FPGAs, not for not the FPGAs that we had, right? It was made for something else. So because it was open source, I could just go in there, modify it, you know, futz around with it a little bit, get it to work on these FPGAs. And uh, my boss, who's a cool guy, there, you know, I'm kind of running this by him. Like, you know, there's going to be a lot of these things running and telling him about Bitcoin. And he's like, well, that's that's cool, you know. Maybe, you know, you're, so you're getting money from this, huh? And uh, I was like, yeah, yeah, in theory. I mean, we'll, we'll see how it goes. But he's like, all right, cool. Well, if you can if you can get enough to buy us a pizza, like, I'm in, as long as you share the pizza with me. <laughs> <laughs> this is amazing. And I, I didn't know about the, like, famous Bitcoin pizza at this time, but, it, you know. We were very pizza focused, I guess. So yeah, I set a bunch of these up. Um, the FPGAs were doing the mining with this open source Bitstream. Uh, I was connecting to CG Miner, you know, like way back. Early CG Miner was the software you used to connect Stratum, um, and I was mining with this pool called Fifty BTC, um, 
which shortly after that sort of famously got hacked. And uh, of course, you know, I had them storing all my my Bitcoin <laughs> on, uh, on there because I was an idiot. And they got hacked. And it was really interesting how they got hacked. Like someone got in and managed to corrupt the database that had everyone's balances on it, right? Because, you know, they weren't doing what they should be, which is storing everyone's Bitcoins in an actual wallet on the blockchain. They just had some database entry for like, you know, user Scott and what his balance was. And so that got corrupted. And I logged in and it was like, your balance is like a thousand Bitcoin or something like that. Like it was like bank error in my favor. (laughs) And uh, we're eating for weeks, boys. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man, we're going to get some pizzas now. So I, you know, did my duty and just you know, select all, withdraw, and it just went pending and it, it never really happened. But And so that oh, was all man. gone. Never got any of it. But it was a very fun experience. It was very exciting. Learned a lot about Bitcoin mining. And uh, that's kind of where I got, I got hooked on Bitcoin and Bitcoin mining. You know, just two quick lessons. One, for the folks listening, I really hope you have a cool boss. I feel like that's the enabler just to be like, hey, I want to tinker here. And you need that like small little support to be like, yeah, go for it. If you could just get enough for a pizza, that would be cool. And then allows you the freedom and the air coverage to kind of do what you wanted to do. Um, And then two is I feel like everyone needs to get burned just a little bit. And like, yeah, yeah, you had the – you personally, Scott, know truly the value of – self-custody now and not entrusting yes. a, a counterparty or a third party. It's like, yeah, I could have legit a thousand Bitcoin or whatever, whatever the number was, you know. Yeah, it wasn't nearly that much, but yeah. And, and uh, but yeah, you know. But that is like such a freaking cool story. So the FPG&As, which are often overlooked, by the way, in the history of, you know, Bitcoin mining from the uh, CPU, GPU, then we go to ASICs. We kind of overlook the... Um, that step but so you're in berkeley doing this and you're like all right you get burned now now what so wait hang on hang on see you didn't get the pizza no pizza and the lab manager was like oh okay manager was like fuck this you're not using our fpgas anymore no no i mean i told him what happened and we 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 you know, went through that fun experiment of like, what if we did get 1,000 Bitcoin from this sketchy Eastern European like mining pool, right? Like now what do we do? It was it was fun to think about. And, you know, I think that the stakes were all pretty low. So was, what was the price of Bitcoin at that time, roughly? <sighs> this had to be like 2012, 13, something like that. I'm not sure I remember. Dude, so you've been in Bitcoin mining for almost over 10 years or... or, or- Maybe in and out of it for 10 years? Yeah, yeah, in and out of it for sure. It's amazing. Uh, that That's the anti-LARP right there. It's just like, yeah, I was fucking around in 2012, like trying to get a pizza. You know, this guy's over here. <laughs> right. Um, that's awesome. Should have saved some of those Bitcoin though, I think. Yeah. Every, <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> every day. Um, so, so, so now what happens? Well, yeah, I mean, that... that um, you know, I think the interest kind of fizzled out after that. And uh, I, I left that job and went to go work for a bunch of startups, um, you know, not doing Bitcoin stuff. But uh, I kind of started to specialize in um, like low power electronics, IoT stuff, um, 
you know, I founded a, uh, co-founded a company that's doing uh, electronics consulting, right? So we'll do, you know, IoT, and we kind of say we specialize in the the internet of Internet of Things, which is often overlooked. But we did a lot of like getting internet in like far flung places, satellite internet, um, and and kind of just really specializing in embedded systems and the programming of embedded systems and and sort of just getting myself ready to uh, make a Bitcoin miner, I guess. And th- that was that was for for several years. I don't think I got back into Bitcoin mining until uh, like 2018, 19, something like that. Were, were you like, what the heck is this ASIC? And you just like got an S9 or something and just started tinkering with it? So actually when I, back when I was doing the, um, the uh, FPGA mining at Berkeley, uh, I, that's kind of when the, the Butterfly Labs, like ASIC, drama was happening and i remember being on bitcoin talk and just reading and there's people that are like Pissed. furious right it's just like you know i didn't i'm gonna get my you know jalapeno miner or whatever it's called <laughs> and it was just like so much drama and i remember thinking like wow okay i'm glad i'm not in that like that sounds like a lot of work and but that was sort of like the birth of asic uh of asics like the chips and I, I didn't follow it too much too much more after that but um yeah when i got back into it was sort of the 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 peak of of uh, s9 um they're they're super expensive so i of course didn't get one um but i well i guess this is the next the next uh chapter here but i was i was doing some of my day job work with um sort of internet connected devices out in the middle of nowhere uh powered by solar panels and i was thinking back to bitcoin mining and um looking at ASICs and, and where they are now. And I was like, man, this, this is a perfect match for solar panels. Um, cause they're both fundamentally low voltage DC devices. Like the, the ASICs, like the chips themselves are like, you know, one, one volt and solar cells of which there's an array that make up the panel is also, you know, like one volt DC. I was like, this, this is perfect. Like, I want to try this. Can I just like directly connect a solar panel to like, you know, a single Bitcoin mining ASIC. So I started Googling around and the, yeah, it was like, there was um, not a lot, right? Like not a lot of information about how these things work. So I I got myself one of those, um, which were I think pretty old at this point, but those like USB sticks that had like a single ASIC on it. I was like block eruptor or something like that. And I, you know, got one and I'm trying to like reverse engineer it and figure out how it works because I need to like change the power supply for it so that I can power it from a solar panel. And started, you know, just in my free time, just kind of hacking on that, like looking at it with a microscope, trying to figure out how it's all wired up and um, sniffing the serial communication and see like what the communication with it is like. Um, and that's just sort of the the rabbit hole just opened up, right? And like quite a rabbit hole went way 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 in so now are you doing this like a hundred percent of your time is dedicated towards bidax and is this now how bidax started so it's it's a side project it still is a side project i have a full-time day job um and i didn't have a lot of success initially when i was trying to reverse engineer this it was it was pretty opaque and um i kind of you know futz with it like here and there um but no, I knew I wanted to do it. 
then I think um, Brands OS came along. It was cool. That was that was nice to see that someone you know like a, a third party firmware uh, was doing it. They were communicating with the chips, and it was there, and I could look at the source code because it was open source then, um, which was pretty fantastic. But you know, I was just screwing with it. I I, I made a couple circuit boards myself and like soldered my own like single chip. I, I was buying uh, like S1s, which were cheap at this point on eBay and like taking the chips off and putting my own board and mostly it wasn't working. Uh, <laughs> but uh, just kind of, yeah, just futzing with it sort of intermittently. Can I ask you a slight tangent question? Sure. Like, is there a number, like, would you get a grant and say, I would work on this for the next one to two years if I had X amount of dollars? Yes. Yes. And we have applied for some grants. How much is that? Um, well, we applied for an OpenSats grant. Okay. Um, me and my, one of our main collaborators uh, applied for a $150,000 oh, yeah. OpenSats grant. And so splitting that, I think, uh, you know, would be good for, I don't know, maybe a year. Cool. It it kind of sounds to me, and you know, correct me if I'm wrong, that like reverse engineering the mining hardware was um, such a challenge. It it was almost easier, or like less resistance, or maybe even um, just more of a intelligent decision, just to kind of start from scratch. And so you started the the bid axe from the ground up, then. Yeah, yeah, I did, right? Because there, there's um, Gecko Science, right, who, who's yeah. been making sort of, you know, he uses the um, the Bitmain ASICs um, and and had made that, right? So seeing that was cool. I knew it was at least possible, but that wasn't open source either. Um, but basically, I needed to have, like, a hash board, even a single S9 hash board is, is too much, right? I didn't want to have that many solar panels. I wanted to, like, keep this small and just, like, figure out how to power one directly, from a solar panel. And I had some ideas about an algorithm to like very efficiently run this from a solar panel. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was like pretty clear that I needed to like do this from the ground up and understand how this works. Um, one, one of my ideas for the solar panel connection was we need to scale the power that the miner takes like sort of in real time with the sunlight that hits the panel. So, um, to do that on an ASIC, I need to change the hash frequency uh, basically in real time. And that's not, not anything that like real that any of the existing miners uh, do. So it's sort of pretty clear that I need to like have low-level control over this. When you say like go directly from the solar panel to the miner, you're you're the implication there is that you're not converting it to AC electricity and then back to DC for the miner, right? Is that correct? That's correct. Yeah, yeah, and 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 doing minimal DC to DC conversion as well. Have you seen this dude on Twitter, um, Dirty Shot Ya? Yes, definitely. He's he's reached out to me, and we've talked a little bit. Yeah, sounds like he's he's going down that road, which is pretty cool. Seems like yeah. he had some success too, which is great. And so, so then, all right. So, how talk about the bid axe? Like, how did what what do you start with, and like, and what have you what? What did you start with, and what was the progression, and what is it now? Well, um, so it was originally called the Day Miner because it's going to be connected to solar panels with no batteries and only mined during the day. Um, but I decided that 
so that was adding too many variables and I needed to just get a handle on like how this thing works, you know, connected to a normal power supply. Uh, so at some point I changed the name to the BitAx and started with the uh, BM1387, which is the ASIC out of the S9. Um, I guess, clarify, when I, when I refer to ASIC, I'm almost always talking about the chip itself, not yeah, like a machine yeah. with several chips. Um, so yeah, we started with that. I had the footprint wrong. So the first, you know, the the sort of the the pins on the underside of the chip, you know, and how that interfaces with the PCB is called the footprint. And I just, you know, like had calipers and was just holding it up trying to measure it because there's no documentation on this. And I, I measured it wrong, made some PCBs with the wrong footprint, and somehow it kind of worked. Like I could I could talk to the chip like every now and then, but uh it was pretty flaky because Basically, not all the pins were connected. Fussed around with that, fussed around with that. I did probably like half a dozen different PCB revs, um, trying to get it to work. Um, and then decided, uh, then I started, I started posting about it on uh, Bitcoin Talk. Um, had a thread going there. And, and some people were, you know, a couple people were, were expressing interest. And um, Matt from Gecko Science, you know, is, is, a big, is big on Bitcoin Talk. And uh, he he gave me a couple like pro tips that was encouraging, um, and eventually got it to work. Uh, there, I, I think I had switched to the one three nine seven, which is the chip out of the S seventeen at this point. Um, the price, you know, had come down on those on the individual chips enough to make that a good idea, and you know, eventually got a board working where I could reliably send serial commands to it and get um, commands back or you know get responses back which was just like such a cool moment i think i was like late night you know like in at my desk and i finally got it and it was like oh my gosh this is this is achievement unlocked so exciting and the fire you know just started yeah it's definitely like a eureka moment oh yeah yeah um how about this tangent how did you come up with the name Scott, by the way? Just because I'm curious. Unless this is like a play on the actual Scott, or that's actually your first name. Well, there was like a like a Twitter drama about this recently about like people using their their real name as their like handle. So yeah, that's my name. Oh really? Okay, cool. Yeah. <laughs> that's cool. <laughs> Pretty creative, huh? <laughs> yeah. Sorry to blow up your spot. That on an opsex perspective, it's like oh shit. So. Like with a unique spelling of Scott, you'd think that I'd be able to like that handle would be available most places, but there's there's a couple other people that are apparently uh, faster you know movers than me, and so that's where the Scott Nine Thousand came from. Is the first place I signed on. It was like, oh, username Scott is taken. I'm like, oh, you know. So back like in the AOL days, right? It's just you just put a number on the end and get it, and so right. I was like, let's let's just jump right to nine thousand. Hell yeah. It's got a ring to it. It's got a ring to it. I thought you were like a skater guy or like a a gamer, you know? Maybe you're both. I don't know. But um, man, that is so dang cool that like, and I I will go back and say, what's cool about Bitcoin is there's so many different rabbit holes where people go down, you know, uh, you know, Bitcoin, Lightning, whatever. And then there's so many rabbit holes within those spaces, like within mining, 
people are like, yeah, I want to take my previous skill set that I've had for 10, 15, 20 plus years or whatever that may be and go apply it to this small little area within Bitcoin mining that could become a massive area. For example, and I know maybe butchering the story, but like schnitzel, right? Like imagine commercializing his product at scale. Imagine like the space heaters at home, commercializing those with Zach, what Zach potentially like and doing like at scale. Potentially like what if, or imagine if like the bid axe does take off and there's a proliferation of different miners going out there, developing different types of uh, miners out there. I think it's just so dang cool. We need to support you as much as possible and others as well. There's, yeah, there's so many rabbit holes. Like, so, so, so many rabbit holes. I, I guess I didn't mention this, but like sort of the thing that got me into Bitcoin was sort of this connection with drugs, like hardware. Oh, oh got it. Well, I guess, yeah. <laughs> Initially, <laughs> drugs. I didn't buy any of yeah. um, uh, was with with hardware, right? Like, you know, I I studied that. That's my my passion. And it was sort of like, I can understand Bitcoin, its usefulness and its utility and, and the awesomeness. But like, I really got interested with sort of that rabbit hole of mining and mining hardware because i was like this is this is my passion and bitcoin does this and like i can really contribute here is the most recent bidax uh still compatible with that s17 chip or has it iterated since then are you up to like the s19 chips or yeah so the the sort of first like working uh, released Bitax was on the S17 chip. Um, and I mean, that was an amazing effort. Like by this time, we have a Discord going with a bunch of people on it, met some uh, both local and otherwise like very talented people that are doing the firmware and getting it all working, right? We had to write our own Stratum client. We had to, you know, take my very scratchy notes on like how all the registers of the ASIC work and, and make that into like actual functioning firmware for, for our control board on the Bitax. Um, so a lot of people are helping at this point. We got that working, put that on the internet and positive, positive response. A lot of people were interested in it, but, um, sort of the, this groundswell started when just, uh, maybe a couple months ago, um, it was like, oh my gosh, we got to integrate the chip from the S19 XP, the BM1366. Uh, there's, I, I sort of heard an offhand comment that the way that those chips work is is quite a bit different than uh, the previous chips, like the S17 and, and before. Uh, the way they generate work, it's much more efficient. You can use a much lower power control board. So dug into that and released the next version of the Bitaxe, the Bitaxe Ultra, which has one chip from the S19 XP um, and posted that online. And that like that's when I think people got really, really excited. Because of the, the efficiency gains, obviously, right? Yeah, I think sort of the efficiency gains uh, were huge, right? We're, we're coming in just as efficient as the S19 XP, if not even a little bit more. Um, and also, I think just that, like, this is the latest and greatest. Uh, yeah. Of course, I guess it's not anymore, but, like, at the time, this is the latest and greatest. Like, we're using the chip for the latest and greatest, and we've published, you know, the register map for it, like the electrical interface for it, the firmware, like how it all works. It, yeah, I think people are very excited about all of those things. I have to ask is why not what's minor chips? Is there a technical reason 
No, no technical reason. Just a, just a matter of time, right? Like, okay. I uh, I, I met a, a minor repair guy, and he was like, "Oh yeah, you got to do what's mine." And he handed, he just handed me a couple like hash boards, and he's like, "Figure out how these work." And I'm like, "Yes, I would love to." So that's that's on the to do list. I would love to do that. Okay, awesome. I just asked because you know it seems like a lot of development happens. Um, you know, like Brains OS, for example, uh, is they don't have a what's minor version out yet. And, you know, for various reasons, people who are developing the hardware and the, and the software, oftentimes it seems like they're leaving out what's minor, um, for various reasons. So I was just wondering if there was like any technical reason or not, but that's good to know that it's on your roadmap. I haven't looked into it really at all. So maybe there is, maybe that's why brains hasn't done it yet. Um, but I don't know. Looking at the hashboards, it looks like it's connected, um, you know, very similar to the um, Antminer hashboards. How many people would you say are contributing to Bidax now? Uh, we have we have maybe six like sort of regular contributors now in in all the different facets of of working on Bidax. Tangent. We should invite all six of those folks to come out to the mining summit in Nashville and then also the telehash. You could do like a little pseudo offsite all together and just like if you guys wanted yes. to get together. Yes, that'd be cool. I mean, I haven't actually met one of these people for real. But. Not like you need to need meet, meet any of them, but it's kind of cool to have a beer with somebody and be like, yeah. bump into them and be like, yeah, I'm this guy. And you're like, holy shit, I'm Scott 9000. Thanks for contributing and working with me on this project. That would be awesome. That would be awesome. I'd love to do that. You know, especially, you know, because a couple of these people I would like to tap if we start working on this full time. And, and they've also like, you know, they're deep in the rabbit hole and have expressed interest in doing it full time too. So, you know, they, I think we'd all really enjoy that. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Kind of more from like a like philosophical point of view. Like, can you just speak to like why open source is important? And especially, especially as it pertains to Bitcoin mining hardware, because I often see criticisms from people that are like, oh, the cost of the hardware is so, you know, they're criticizing these, these like smaller hashing projects, like, um, like the future bit or the nerd miner or the bit axe. And I, I think a lot of the criticisms I see kind of miss the point of the foundation that's being laid right now in getting this stuff open source so that people can build more um, sophisticated applications on top of it. So I don't know. I just, if I could just get your thoughts on, on all that. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I've fallen down that, that rabbit hole as well. It was sort of secondary to my initial goal, but like fallen deep into that rabbit hole. My, my, my feeling is that Bitcoin is fundamentally open source. Um, you know, I think Satoshi's first public post, which was like early 2010, you know, the, the title of the post was, I have developed an open source uh, monetary network. And it, like, that was, you know, that, and it's in the, it's, it, he talks about the open source nature of it in sort of the first paragraph of this post. So I think it's, it's fundamentally open source. And, you know, we have sort of, in my mind, these, these three main facets of Bitcoin. Um, that's, that's the wallets, 
that sort of manage the transactions, the hardware wallets, the software wallets that manage the transactions. We have uh, nodes, which you know do a lot, but manage the the, the blockchain state and and verify transactions. And then we have mining, and two of those are open source and have been since the beginning, and have never wavered from that. And there's just isn't really a question as to you know should they be open source or not. And then here we have mining on the other side, which just seems to have fallen off the open source bandwagon. Just right. And then I don't know, like people don't seem to to question that. It's like, oh, of course, well, that, that's just proprietary uh, because it is, and, and that's fine. And I, I think that's kind of kind of messed up. Like, this is a very important part of the Bitcoin network. And we, we deserve to know how it's it's working. And Bitcoin deserves to have that explosion in uh, development and just awesome growth that comes from the open source community and and that mindset. That's well said. Is there anything you would say to to the criticisms that are like I'm I should have pulled up one of the the tweets but you know basically to someone who's like um knocking the unit economics like saying like well you know the the hashboard costs so much it can only do you know what like half a tera hash? Yeah, you know it's not worth it. Like people are wasting their time and money. It's a it's a cool toy, but it's not it's not anything worth like ex, like expending resources on. Like, what would you say to some someone criticizing it that way? I mean, they're right. the 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 dollars per tera hash right now doesn't even come close to the industrial miners. Um, but you know this this is where we start right like the, right yeah th- this this is just the beginning right you're you're criticizing like the uh i don't know the the model a car because it's not like a super sweet race car um all, all sorts of things can be built on top of this and you don't actually have to have like a just absolute you know best most efficient dollars per terahash miner to control a significant part of the network hash rate. Because with these miners, you can run it on your desk, right? I have a miner running on my desk right next to this microphone. And wow. you can't hear it. Right. Uh, I'm not like overwhelmed with heat. It's not like I'm sitting next to a hairdryer, right? I can have this on my desk. It's been here for months, just mining away. And we could have millions of these on people's desks. Right. And and now it starts to contribute a, a meaningful part of the network hash rate, which is pretty big, right? And we can we can scale that up like and all, that's the other thing is like I don't care. So I don't I don't notice this on my electrical bill. Like I don't I don't care what the hash price is. Like I'm just running it. Yeah. I think a lot of people will do that. So th- there's a couple facets that I think that people will um, take advantage of that makes this a significant thing. Would you mind sharing which pool you have it pointed to? Do you ha- do you run your own pool? So one of the the core uh, contributors to Bitax, um, Ben, he uh, we were just chatting on on the Discord one day, and I was like, "Well, there's not really a lot of solo mining pools out there," and he's like, "Oh, I'm I'm going to make one." So he developed some software called Public Pool. 
you can download it and run it yourself. Uh, he also runs a version on a computer like at his house. Um, and it's a solo mining pool, right? So we're not paying for shares or anything like that. It's you get a block reward or nothing. Um, but that's what I have everything pointed to is public pool. Awesome. Let's fucking go. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, he, hey, Eco, my man huh. Scott got burned once. He's not getting burned again by these mining <laughs> pools. All right. That's right. Never oh, again. It's kind of, you know, lottery mining is kind of exciting. Like, oh, man. Yeah. Hell yeah. Hell I yeah. I mean, it, we have we have on the display of the bit axe, like your best uh, share. So you can see, like, how close to the jackpot you are. Oh. It's so fun to just kind of look over there every now and be like, whoa, okay, I did a little better today, right? I'm, I'm now, like, extremely far from solving a block, <laughs> but it's exciting to see it kind of go up over time. For the yeah. telehash, we we definitely need to set it up like a cooking show and 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 because we're going to have cameras and so on uh, for that uh, to show show it off for sure. Um, we gotta, I love that. Yeah. And, you know, like, look, I, I think uh, you're definitely going to get a grant, knock on wood, you know, from these folks. But, like, Eco, now I'm thinking, and we should jump into the questions as well. Um, like, you know, we're probably going to raise, like, a billion dollars with the telehash. I feel like we can carve out something for our friend Scott over here. Um uh, like, cause we need not only Scott, Ben, the other five, like maybe even more people. This is a super ambitious project, uh, that needs more and more support. It just, that's what I feel at least. I really feel like if we could dedicate more, you know, time to this, it's just so exciting to think about what could happen. Hey, for the mining summit, I also want to invite you to like, we're going to have some of these workshops and um, dedicated breakouts. Uh, love to have you guys uh, do a dedicated like breakout and show off the bid acts to folks. And then we'll, we'll invite, uh, honestly, the bit devs is on Tuesday. So right after bit devs concludes is when me and Ego are going to start this crazy freaking telehash. So you may want to if you can join us for bit devs that's Steve Myers, Matthew Ramsden, P, uh, and there'll be a lot of people in town for that too. So uh, typically we'll exciting. do like a demo uh, if people are in town before that bit devs. So um, there'll be so many mining folks as well, just to keep it uh, to maximize your time while you're here. I got contacted by the Indianapolis uh, Bitcoin meetup, yeah. and I'm I'm flying out there today, this afternoon, to uh, go present to them and see the, the Bitcoin race weekend and stuff. It's pretty Hell exciting. Hell yeah. Awesome. Tell Patrick what's up. Tell Ilya. The, all those guys, uh, Jacob, they're freaking fantastic. They actually started a mining company from their Indianapolis meetup, a Bitcoin meetup. Yeah, Megawatt, Yeah, right? Megawatt, That's, exactly. So cool. Dude, this so is cool. I love hearing about what everyone's working on. Exactly. Like, man, I... I think at the local level, and going back all the way to the point where how you got to this point where like you had a really good manager above you just to say, yeah, go for it. And then you you had the initiative and the human ingenuity just to do, start it. And then you just had an, a, like a lot of little things started to come into place. You had a little bit of community support and grassroots support behind you. And the next thing you got, you got bidax.org and you're applying for grants and this could become something, uh, knock on wood. Oh. It's it's makes it hard to focus on the day job. That's for sure. <laughs> you, you and me both. Um, all right, Eco. Should we go into questions? 
Yeah, so this question comes from Twitter user, uh, and I'm totally going to nail this name perfect the first time, Keegrill? <laughs> Kegel? Help me out. Help me out. No, hold on, I got to pull it up. Um, <laughs> I think it was like Constantine now. Yeah, Co- Constantine by the beautiful uh, Twitter handle at Keegrail, K-E-E-G-R-E-I-L. Here are yeah, a few so I wasn't I, too far off. No, you were far off. You are good on that one. I give you a 7.2. Perfect. All right, so they write, uh, here's a few ideas. I guess, I'll, let's see, there's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight questions. So I'll just go through these one at a time instead of bombarding you mm-hmm. and having you try to remember what the next one was. Thanks. Uh, first one is, what are the biggest challenges he sees ahead for BitAx, mining in general, and Bitcoin as a whole? Biggest challenges for BitAx. Um, you know, so far, I have not been manufacturing any of these things, right? I just made the designs for the BitAx and put them out there. Um, several people have taken up the initiative to start manufacturing these, but electronics manufacturing is hard. Uh, and distribution and, and sales and warranty returns and all these things. So if, if it's going to be a project which you can just go to a store and buy, which I think it is, a lot of people want this, uh, there's there's a big step up in the amount of things we need to worry about to uh, to do that. We've got some good folks working on it now, uh, but there's there's a lot of things to go on there. Uh, we also need to we need to have a miner with um, more significant hash rate. Right, we're working on chips that or on miners that have more chips in there, but more chips, more problems. So there's some some engineering challenges there. I think that needs to happen. And then mining in general. Mining in general. So th- this is a big, a big thing. I, I saw a chart a while back, and it was the, the actual efficiency of ASICs over time. And this is the you know the the watts per terahash of mining ASICs over time, and it's this logarithmic uh, growth, right? So it's. It starts off in the beginning, you know, we're, we're seeing these massive gains. Each new ant miner, just the efficiency is getting so much better, so much better. And then marching forward towards now, it's like each, each release, each new ant miner is less, it's still getting more efficient, but by less. I think all the low-hanging fruit as far as efficiency gains has been picked by reducing the, the ASIC node size and and... We're starting to get to this point where I think each new miner is is we're kind of starting to f- to flatline on on the improvements, and that that's going to have a pretty big effect on the mining industry because I think a lot of the big pubcos, you know, they just plan on we're just going to buy all new machines. You know, each each new machine that comes out, we're just going to you know take our investors' money and buy a ton of those, and that's how we're going to stay ahead of increasing difficulty. And that might not be something we can count on for for too much longer. So that's going to change things. We've got to have him coming up. Um, I think the dynamics there are going to be changing as as we have less and less awesome improvements on minor efficiency. That's a great point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then uh, last part of that first question: uh, biggest challenges with Bitcoin as a whole. 
I, I do not know why the government is not fighting this more. I mean, I guess some people say they are, but it really makes me nervous that there hasn't been like a more widespread attack on Bitcoin. It's got to be coming, right? This is going to really bum them out because <laughs> they're so used to just printing money. Yeah, I, I think a lot of people like kind of bank on like, oh, Bitcoin has won. Um, you know, there's nothing they can do to stop it. But dude, I, I really think, and Diverter points this out often too, it, it's like, I don't think the real fight has really even started yet. I think there's a, a lot of different things they can do. That's kind of the impression that I get. I mean, I don't, I'm, I think we're in a good spot. I don't know if they're, they can, they can't cancel it, right? They can't turn it right. off. I think we're beyond that, which is great. We're in a good place to be, but I agree. We haven't, we haven't seen even the beginning of the opposition. Yeah, yeah. Just from like regulate, trying to regulate public miners to like um, trying to crash the financial market of it to um, just flat out like exerting their monopoly on violence to. Impose some two hundred fifty thousand dollar ten year in prison penalty if you're caught with Bitcoin. You know, like, yeah, not that any of those things are gonna like stop it. It, but you know, they can definitely do a lot to criminalize people who are using it and and really put a damper on usage or self custody or try to like funnel everyone into custodial solutions so that they don't have the the censorship-resistant, permissionless side of it anymore. I think the clearest day attack vector, when everyone's like, oh, you know, Bitcoin needs to be anti-fragile and so on. Bitcoin, yeah, sure. But then all of a sudden you have two centralized attack vectors. And that is, like, Scott, to your point, where like, oh, why hasn't there been a more widespread attack? I feel like, what what's the term? Like, um, they're just biding their time. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know how much of Bitcoin is held on exchanges right now like 90 plus percent or some stupid number like that that's the easiest attack vector right coinbase whatever next exchange you guys are all centralized you're the ministry of coin now czar and uh okay cool and the clearest day is like all right you can redeem into dollars and go use that but we'll hold your bitcoin because it's a matter of like you know our best security interest or whatever is us holding the Bitcoin. Same thing on the mining side. Like, all right, yeah. Why is it great? Come come to the United States and mine, 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 build up the infrastructure. Cool. Let's nationalize this. You got like this Bill Gurley um, presentation he did at the All In Summit titled 2,851 Miles. Uh, We need a link to it in the show notes, Tom, as well. He uh, basically said, why was why did Silicon Valley thrive for so long? It was so fucking far away from DC that it was able to thrive on its own and have these like cypherpunk open source, like let's just change the you know world for the better. And then slowly the politicians start coming in and now you have like Elizabeth Warren and others specifically coming in saying, hey, for the betterment of society and humanity, we need to regulate this. And then the top four businesses are saying, like, come regulate me, daddy. Come regulate me harder because they have an interest in this to be regulated because then the moat or the bar is so much higher for other competitors to come in. Yeah. I will get off my fucking tangent now, <laughs> but <laughs> that is um, where I see the clearest day attack vector. And that's why 
it sucks, you know, when people are like, hey, how can I get into Bitcoin? And, you know, you you may or may not recommend some uh, KYC solutions, but the the imperative recommendation needs to be self-custody. Like you have to be able to self-custody your Bitcoin and get it off those exchanges. And then I feel like this next wave, Scott, what you're working on, it's like, yeah, we're, you know, not only buying the machines from, let's say, Bitmain or MicroBT, that's a whole nother thing, but it's like, you gotta be just running at least one home miner. Whatever, it was like one terahash, I don't give a fuck. Like just run a miner at home and just contribute in that way. Um, because we can't have them go all to these pubcos. So the pubcos, they're they're sitting ducks for regulation. And if that comes down, if that's an attack vector that, that comes down, right? It's it's gonna be on us. Right. The good thing there is like you I can steel man that though, like on the pubco side. It's like, well, they're gonna be not only like some of these folks that build out these mega, mega farms. I mean Dude, the amount of security and the amount of overhead that you need to uh, put in just to defend that uh, operation is so massive. I mean, imagine if you're a, a nation state and you're mining, you know, at scale and you're like, all right, the game theory says like we need less miners. So we go, I mean, again, I'm not saying this is happening or anything. I'm just truly speculating. It's like, let's go turn off those uh, farms over there. But if you got like home miners, like, hey, Scott, who's the 15-year-old kid in the, the the basement, you know, and he's like FCC is knocking on his door, uh, but he's just like mining at home at one terahash, 10 terahash, whatever it is, not, not going to happen. Hopefully we can multiply that by a million and it's like really, really cool uh, to see. So there's that like support level and then let the pubcos fuck around and find out. Yes, fully agree. Constantine's next question is his thoughts on porting the Nerdminer branding slash UX to BitX. Yeah, yeah. I would love I would love to do that, right? We we could use a little help on uh sort of the UI UX of the Nerdminer. Um the, the Nerdminer is cool. I, people give that one a lot of shit because it's like pathetic hash rate, but it's so easy to do. They've done a great job on the UI. You can just go buy this thing for like I think it's like 30 bucks on Amazon and like get it delivered, you know, Amazon next day and be and be mining in like, you know, next day. Yeah. It's it's so chill. And you're 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 never ever gonna solve a block. You're never ever gonna get a single sat from a, a pool. But I don't know, who cares? Like you just learned about mining, you just did it yourself, and right. it's the gateway drug to the rest of this glorious world. So I like the nerd miner. I think um Yes, we, we we can definitely like BitX, We can definitely learn from that. Um, the whole setup process they have it's very slick. I love their display that they have on it. I love the UI. Absolutely, yes. Let's let's do it. So you mentioned that you'll never solve a block with the nerd miner, and it made me think of this recent Twitter thread I saw where someone had said something about the nerd miner. And Luke Dash Jr. jumped in there, and I don't know if you saw this on Twitter, but Luke yeah. Dash Jr. jumped in there and said, you'll never solve a block. And then John Stephanopoulos from FutureBit was like, every hash has an equal chance at solving a block. Um, I'm just curious, what are your thoughts on that? Never is incorrect. It does okay. have a chance. Okay. It will at some point you know, solve a block, but that time is very long. Like, 
the bit axe is a million times higher hash rate than a nerd miner. It, it's I don't I don't I don't think many people are going into the nerd miner thinking like oh yeah I'm gonna like make money right on this it's it's an educational tool it's a fun thing to screw around with there's that you remember, there's that cool XKCD comic from yeah. way back in the day and it rates you know hundreds of hours studying in school versus the benefit of one weekend screwing around with Pearl I think it's it's just <laughs> like that right like right you know. It, it's the entrance to the rabbit hole and some people are going to go all the way and that's what we need. Yeah, definitely. Well said. Have you ever, ever uh, spent time with Luke or met him? Not in person, no. In person, yeah. yeah. I haven't in person, no. I have. I love him. I'm, uh, I'm just about <laughs> to... It, it reminded me, hey, Luke, uh, you sh- uh, I'm going to invite him out to the telehash. Uh, we need... He's just... Um, he's a very interesting character. Clearly very passionate. Oh, yeah, dude, that's the beautiful thing about Bitcoin. It's like I love all of the adversarial thinking and like the like, oh, you can't do it this way. You're not thinking about it this way. And be like, oh, yeah, I actually can defend that position. Here's another. like John Stephanopoulos is amazing. What he's built, this future bit is incredible. Like, yes, for them to have that kind of dialogue back and forth where then, you know, and it just betters all of us together, if that makes any sense. Yes, absolutely. I mean, the Apollo miners, fantastic, right? He's, you know, he's talking with ASIC manufacturers and like going about it that route, which is awesome. Dude, he's a guy that's a legend because he's like, you know what, in the face of like all these Pubco miners and all these like big box miners from MicroBT and Bitmain is like, I'm going this course because I truly believe we need to decentralize uh, mining and get m- miners in as many hands as possible yep. and mining yes. at home as quickly as possible. Um, yes. And he's spending, a, and he's doing a lot. I want to say he's doing a majority, if not all of his manufacturing in the U.S. So that's why like his price point is so much higher. Uh, when people are like, dude, I'm spending how much on a, what per terash? Uh, there's, there's a, there's a calculus that he has in his head. And uh, I, tend to agree with it yeah i think he's 100 percent u.s manufactured that's awesome that's great that's great that's what we need to do and there's always going to be these people out there that like you know they look at the latest ant miner and they compare the the dollars per terahash and it's nowhere near the same but that ant miner is is it's just not real for you right you're not going to plug that thing in in your house without some serious like hatred from your the people you live with and or like a lot of hacking. Yeah. No, you're going to spend a lot of time like modifying your HVAC system to like get the hot air out of your house or modifying your electrical circuit, having an electrician come in and put in 240 or like do trying to build a box to like contain the sound, but to still get as much airflow through it as you need to keep it cool. Like, yeah, there's a lot that goes into taking an industrial grade mining machine and putting it in your living space, especially when you've got uh, family, roommates, wife, kids, whatever. Yeah. And you're going to be underclocking it, right? So now, now your dollars per terahash are changing. Right. The um, Just an idea, Eco. 
one, I think for the telehash, we need to have like four quadrants of six hours so that like we just move our bodies. Because if we're seated for like so long, I'm gonna I'm just gonna die. Maybe it's like oh yeah, six. no, we gotta you gotta move. Yeah. <laughs> so maybe it's like actually six areas at the park. Like we'll set up six like like we got the event space, we got the the studio down here. Uh, maybe outside for like max an hour because it'll be cold. Anyways, other areas. We should maybe have a wall of home, like future bit, bit acts going, uh, nerd miner going, and show all these different uh, variations. That'd be dope. And uh, make it like the home mining set. Like maybe I'll think through the the telehash schedule, and then there's like a block of just like a two hour block of us demoing these miners and how easy it is for people um, to buy and just do it at home. It's like, oh. Uh, you want to really contribute, you're running your own node and like, that's cool. Uh, you should. And absolutely. Here's your next way of contributing to Bitcoin network is just running this at home. Right. Now I think it would be great for people to see that, especially if it's all like all the solutions are there, like side yeah. by side. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Certainly if you like compare the hash rate coming out of each solution side by side, yeah, the home home miner is going to look pretty pathetic. But maybe you could have the uh, the home miners sitting on the on the table there, right there, and you're like, yeah, what? I didn't realize that was running. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. All right. Constantine's next question: Predictions for future hash rate at having in five to ten years, etc. For future network hash rate. Oh my gosh. I mean. I have no idea. Yeah, no idea. Constantine probably knows. He's a smart guy. We've been talking a bit, and uh, he's been doing some uh, advocating and, and ruffling some feathers about uh, network hash rates. So uh, I think you should answer this one, Constantine. There you go. <laughs> good answer. Good, good answer. Um, I mean, I if if I can throw my hat in the ring, I'm really good with predictions. By the way, <laughs> very good. Uh, All right. <laughs> um, I think at the having, uh, we're at four seventy five. Okay. What are we at now? I think it's like four twenty, something like that. Yeesh, that's gonna that's a double oof. Oof oof. Read an interesting article from Jameson Lop the other day, kind of about estimating network hash rate and how he thinks, you know, well, basically he thinks it's hard to do, mm -hmm. but uh, that it might not be on shorter timescales. It just might not be accurate. So the moving average, which I think is a two week window is uh, 412, 412 exahash. Okay. But yeah, I did see that Jameson Lop article too. Um, didn't get a chance to read through the whole thing, but um, yeah, it is interesting that he's trying to come up with a better way to estimate hash rate. We, you know, it's interesting on a like on a small scale, like on the miner, we are using a very similar uh, formula to estimate the hash rate. Because we basically look at the difficulty of the shares coming out of the chip and how long it took to get those shares. And that's how we compute the hash rate. And I, I think that's how it's done on every level. Like I think the mining pool does that same thing. And I think that these sort of network hash rate efficiency formulas do the same thing. And so there's a lot of variation because of, of luck, right? It's like if someone gets really lucky and solves a, a new block one minute after the, the previous one, that looks like a higher network hash rate. Mm -hmm. Right. 
So let's ask the big question. Why is he, it seems like he knows you really well then. Why is he not worried about the security budget? Uh, so I think my, my thoughts on this come from Constantine, but he had a, a really interesting point that we have, we have this Bitcoin price floor where sort of all the DCA Bitcoin buyers, they'll just keep buying Bitcoin no matter what the price is. And that kind of sets up a bit of a price floor for Bitcoin. There's just kind of always someone there to swallow it up. And so that idea also translates to the hash price, where we have this increasing you know, army of, of home miners who will keep their miners plugged in no matter what, because it's not really affecting them financially. Uh, you know, The difficulty changes, the price of electricity changes, the efficiency of the ASICs, things like that. They don't care. They're going to keep running it. They're going to keep mining because they're interested in it and they want to do that. And so that might set up a bit of a hash price uh, floor, which comes into play for this this security budget because you know if if sort of all the pubcos turn off because it's not economical to mine anymore, then we still have this baseline of people who are, are willing to do it no matter what. Word, I tend yeah. to agree. I th- I think I mean to your point, I think there's just you know not only are they interested in it, but a lot of people are getting like added utility out of it like they're using it for heat and i think people are going to continue mining regardless of the economics because they're getting you know they're they would have been spending the same amount of money on energy for heat anyways and they wouldn't have been getting any sats Um, and then also i i do think long term there's something to be said for utility companies leveraging bitcoin miners to smooth out energy production operations like um like if you're like running a coal plant for example and you know demand starts dropping and you you start slowing down your production well your efficiency from burning coal and turning that into energy, that efficiency like drops off a cliff if you're not like running at your like maximum output. And so if the demand's not there, your output can't go anywhere. So you have to like lower that and then your efficiency goes all to hell. So if you, if your demand drops, like say like in the middle of the night, but it's only going to be for a few hours until people start waking up and like going to work and using energy again, like you can keep your coal plant running at optimal efficiency by mining Bitcoin and having the demand there with Bitcoin miners. Mm-hmm. And then you're using coal, you're using your your resources more efficiently. You're not wasting as much. And then um, as the demand starts coming back on the grid, you can shut off your miners to to make that available. But that's that's a fantastic point, right? And Bitcoin monetized that sort of, that load that they use to stabilize this and all the economics get based around it. And so it's going to sort of be there as, as that baseline that doesn't go away, that also secures Bitcoin. Right. Yep. Troy Cross, one of my favorite commentators on Bitcoin, uh, talked a while, talked a bit a while back about how Bitcoin miners need to get creative where they source the energy from. It's in order to survive, right? Like get get creative or die, right? As the difficulty increases, um, and and the the ASICs don't improve to to match, you have to get creative, and that's going after stranded energy, mm-hmm. going after it, you know, 
I don't think Troy would be super into coal mines, but you know, that's that's exactly it. Going after all these totally. these other sources where you get incredibly cheap energy. Yep. And that's that cheap energy is not gonna really change. And so that that keeps the security budget there. Yeah. It's it's like these miners, they're not complacent. Their head is always on a swivel and just it, it, Maybe if you're a pubco miner and you're on grid and you're like, all right, this was, you know, whoops, we messed up, we got wrecked. But like the at-home miner, the one that's mining off-grid is constantly figuring out ways to reduce their uh, costs and increase their output. And they're tinkering and trying all sorts of different things, uh, which is really cool to see. There's... There's a lot of good ideas in this space too, right? People are coming up with fantastic ideas about how to go after stranded energy, you know, like you said, with the the sort of load balancing to get into that most efficient point of the, the coal-fired power plant. One of the things that I, I have in the back of my head regarding this is we don't have the hardware to do this yet, which is... Like at scale, you mean? Yeah, the, the, this... To have these dynamically controllable miners that can just instantaneously adjust to swallow whatever load based on a variety of inputs, right? It's like, this isn't the case of like, oh, you get a demand response event, mm-hmm. and so you kind of get Steve to go over there and shut down all the miners. Like this, you know, if you're doing it right, this is riding that that like that load level as close as possible. And technically, miners can do that but they're not currently built to do that. And there's a bunch of people thinking about this, uh, that have realized that they need this. A lot of the like flare gas miners want to do this uh, because they need they need to ride that sort of generation like really closely. As well as, you know, administrate miners that are out in the middle of nowhere. So there's a big opportunity for development in miners and how they're controlled and how they're set up and how they're powered that we just don't have because they're all meant to just plug in in a data center and run full blast currently. Right. Dude, that's why I'm good. Like the archives of Pod 256 Eco and Scott, like they're going to, we're going to look back and be like, we were so archaic around, like, I cannot believe we were talking with Scott and he was just talking about the bid acts as if it was maybe a project that was going to, you know, do something. Or we were talking about Zach, like all of these, like, garage basement level projects that are going to morph into the next, like, really cool thing or be the foundation of really cool innovation. I'm here for all of that. Right. It's good to be here with you guys. Yeah, yeah. it's awesome. And I think you make a great point, like having like miners built for specific purposes, you know, because like you said, like people are using it to do that, but it's not built to do that. Imagine, you know, and like, thank God someone's like building an open source Bitcoin mining platform so that someone can take that and like tweak it specifically to do exactly what they're trying to get it to do. Dude, totally. A lot of things can be unlocked. Yeah. If there's any managers listening to this pod this far in, be the cool manager and let your rock stars just like tinker on the side and let them freaking contribute to some open source stuff. Um, be that guy. Don't be the other guy. Yes. Here, here. Um, updates on Max Hashpoint tracking. Oh, thanks for the great question. Uh, Constantine. Constantine. Um, Max Hashpoint tracking. So with solar panels and a lot of generation, electric generation techniques, 
you cannot you cannot really ex- have the load sort of exceed the generation. You can you can stall an engine, um, a turbine. You can you can you can crash a solar panel. Like basically, if you try and draw too much from a solar panel, it can it'll just crash and produce nothing. Um, so when using solar panels to charge batteries, they have this thing called maximum power point tracking, and it basically looks at you know unloaded what's coming out of the solar panel at any given time and it adjusts the load to be in that maximum power point so we can do that with miners uh we're not and i call it maximum hash point tracking and so it's just an algorithm that looks at the unloaded power generation from a solar panel and it adjusts the hash uh hash frequency or hash rate to most efficiently get all of the power out of a solar panel and this this translates to other things too oh interesting like yeah, like I said, like turbines, um, several other different things. So basically, anything that's create providing that energy source, right? Yeah, yeah. Anything that isn't what they call an ideal load, mm-hmm. like the grid. I mean, even the grid isn't an ideal load when it really comes down to it. Nothing is an ideal load, but the grid is usually so overbuilt that that isn't really an issue. But a lot of these other stranded energy sources do have these maximum power points and it's not entirely clear where it is and it changes dynamically instantaneously like you imagine a cloud goes over or right. a bird shits on your solar panel it's going to change immediately and the time that it takes you to adjust your load to match the new generation outpoint is just it's just lost it's just inefficiency so that the closer we can track that the better we can do and um, this this is a side goal of the BitAx is to develop this algorithm, and yeah. we've been we've been working on it. I think I think it could be really cool. Yeah, dude. Any and all efficiency gains you can grab are going to become more critical as more miners join the network, and like the overall efficiency gains of the hardware gets smaller and smaller. Like you were saying. Yeah. I, yeah. The slight tangent, but I know you alluded to like the commercialization and like creating the product leveraging the open source software like do you have any aspirations to do that after you know maybe a year or two working on this knock on wood full time yes absolutely absolutely i want to see a fantastic home miner that everyone who's you know has a passing interest in this can just grab and plug in and run and maybe it's a funky Christmas gift that they never use again, or maybe this starts them down the rabbit yeah. hole. Uh, yes, absolutely want to do that. I I have kind of these two competing interests. You know, the other thing I want to do is this sort of efficient mining appliances for stranded energy. Um, the, the kind of that, like what I was saying doesn't exist. The, the appliance that you can plug into alternative energy sources and it, it takes the best advantage of that possible. So I'd like to work on that, but I also think this home miner thing is so cool. I so wish that existed and we're pretty close. So I want to do that too. Hell yeah. I got some ideas. We'll, we'll chat. Uh, and uh, like have it be open source oh, like, yeah. till the end. Open source is the business model, in my opinion. Yes. Like yeah. the closed source nature of a lot of these devices, like for example, Ledger, great, fine company, whatever. There's no way in fuck all I would recommend them like to anybody. Like if build a business, compete and have a great product, great customer service, great differentiation, great innovation, great R&D, all of these areas to compete on, don't compete on closed source proprietary like, you know, uh, 
stuff in that regard. It just it's not a right. like I hope and I do envision more customers waking up to that fact and not just throwing up their arms and saying you should do this. It's like where you spend your dollars matters the most and just saying okay, that's fine, do your thing, but I'm going to go invest and in, and spend my dollars with, you know, these other manufacturers or these other uh, providers. I really think that Brains developed a lot of goodwill for themselves by open sourcing Brains OS. I think a lot of people picked it up, um, and that was just a bullet point that really you know, incentivized them to, to run with it. And maybe they never even looked at the source. Yeah. Maybe they never worked on it. But that was a thing, I think, that developed them a lot of following. And I think that I, I heard them say that you know they, they closed sourced it because no one was helping out, no one was contributing. But... I think you just need to give a little more time. Like, yeah, exactly. They're out there. They're going to do it. I mean, I was looking at it and not talking to anyone about it. Um, totally. And and to just like the FUD of like, Rod, you can't read source code, so who cares if it's open source or closed source? Yeah, I may not be able to, but my friend right. Scott 9000 in his mom's basement definitely is, and he's telling me, yeah, this is legit, or he's telling me not. So like, there's like this federated, loose-tie, trusted network that, you know, you can rely on. Uh, and I don't have to just trust Scott 9000. I can trust, like, you know, a, a number of other nodes that are, like, looking at this and say, okay, you know what? Here's the feedback on this. And, they, yeah, they're recommending it, so I'm going to recommend as well. Right. We've, we've had a couple people show up in the Discord, and they're like, I'm thinking about building one of these miners. I've never soldered anything together ever. Like, can I do it? And it's like, well, it's pretty hard, but um, give it a shot. And some people have failed, but other people have become Dude, totally. you know main contributors to the project That's and have amazing. built several of these things. I'm like this is so cool. You learned how to do this based on this project. Yep. So like, you know, two birds with one stone. That's fantastic. That's awesome. Uh last question from Constantine. What would it take to make the ASIC chip itself open source? Why might that be desirable? And does he like risk v or risk 5 r i s c dash v uh risk 5 is an open source uh or open core asic or uh cpu sorry so you know we have arm we have intel x86 these are these are proprietary closed source um cpu architectures risk 5 from my alma mater is uh a revolutionary new idea where this is open and people can just grab this core and put this on their own processors. I think actually Bitmain just did this. They released like some Monero miner or something, but they they stamped down a bunch of these RISC-V cores in there because mm -hmm. you can just go and grab it and start running with it. And you don't have to go to ARM and get these like multi-million dollar licenses and like intellectual property nonsense. So I love RISC-V. I think it's definitely... Definitely the right way to go. It's the open source ethos. We love that. Um, as far as making an open source ASIC, Bitcoin mining ASIC, um, it certainly is possible. It is a lot of work, uh, a lot, a lot of work, very capital intensive and capital intensive for a long time. You know, you have to have these relationships. If you want to have it be a, a modern competitive ASIC, you know, I hear you have to have these insane relationships with TSMC, right, right to get in like ahead of Apple, yeah. right? Like they're going to be like, I got this dude here who wants to build, you know, one million of these 
chips, right? And we got Apple over here. So who are we gonna who are we gonna let in? So that's hard. I think it's hard. It takes a lot, a lot of money. And I think there's a lot of people who have tried and and burnt out. You know, they just got overwhelmed on the price and the time and the complexity. So it would be fantastic. It would be fantastic. If anyone's thinking of do that, doing that, please do it. If anyone's, you know, working on it now and wants to open source it, you know, like block or otherwise, like please do it. That'd be fantastic. But that's that's a big project. I think we can make a lot more impact in a much shorter time by going with the incumbent designs and just grabbing them off the shelf. Yeah. I mean, even if it's not so that someone can like go build their own chips, it would just be kind of nice to like see the what's going on under the hood, right? Yes, I would love to see that. Yeah. I would really love to see that. It's fascinating. We we've gotten just a slight glimpse into how the Bitmain ASICs work, you know, inside. Um and it's very fascinating, right? They're they're optimizing lots of things. It's all seems very state of the art and cool. I love can, this. Can stuff. I ask how do you organize your day? Like cuz like like even to read through like all right, I'm going to read through this source code today or whatever. Like how do you organize your day and just like tackle? Um well, I I uh just take it day by day. Yeah. There's a <laughs> there's a lot. I'm I uh, am very easily nerd sniped. <laughs> nerd sniped. You know, that's I like that concept that. where like you can just completely derailed yeah. for an entire day or more by some little idea that someone throws out there. And as our Discord gets bigger and bigger, I get nerd sniped a lot more. Someone rolled in the other day and was like, "We want to make a lava lamp that is controlled that is heated by a mining ASIC." And I was like. Mind, <laughs> yes, we have got to do this. This is the future of Bitcoin, and uh, dug in heavy duty. But I, I guess I could organize my day better. It's like the meme where the the dad comes in, like, "Son, what are you doing?" It's like you know, it's like, okay, "Don't interrupt me now, uh, honey. I got uh, to build this lava lamp over here." Uh, yeah, but uh, and we got one last question, uh, which is okay. uh, from Plebeian. Sat stacking pleb. I know the focus mm -hmm. will be on Bitax, but I'm quite intrigued by Bitcart myself. Oh man, Mr. Sat stacking pleb has got like this school bus that he's like putting all these solar panels on the roof and he's going to drive around and do all this mining and you know heat heat based on that. Super cool. Um, I responded to a post uh, that he posts about his project. I think he wants to use single hash boards to get started. And so this triggered a, an idea that I've had for a long time is that we need an open source minor control board. Nerd sniped. Like, yes, nerd sniped. I've been thinking about this for a while. That's the best time to get nerd sniped is when you kind of have had this idea for a while. But um, this, this is like my day job. I've built several uh, essentially control boards, right, that have a, they, we run embedded Linux and have a variety of outputs and are powered and... I want to make a open source minor control board that runs Linux because there's all these there's all these cool cool products like Zach Zach Bomb says it I was talking about this with him fantastic example right he's going to make these heaters they're going to go in people's houses but you don't want to have some guy show up with his laptop and an Ethernet cable and SSH into it and be like okay cool I'm going to fix your your heater. 
So he needs to have Wi-Fi. He needs to have remote conductivity to it. He wants to have GPS so they know where this thing is. All these extra things. Like Schnitzel, same thing, right? He wants to connect his miner to these temperature sensors. He wants to connect to these flow sensors. He wants to have a thermostat where he can you know, adjust the heat and the miner adjusts. So all these things, I think, get unlocked with an open source control board. That would be just a replacement for the Bitmain control board. There's a lot of people doing this. Brains, Epic, I think Luxor is making one. A lot of people doing this, but none of them are open source um, because they're going after these big markets, which are these big institutional miners that want to have want to run Brains firmware, and so they need to have Brains control board to do that. But I think there's a whole legion of people like Schnitzel and, and related that we could just unlock so much. If they can just see the source code for the miner and attach whatever crazy thing they come up with to it, it, it in a way, open sources yeah. the, in, the industrial Bitcoin miners. And so that's the BitCart. Dude. That's cool. I hadn't heard of the BitCart before before that was posted there. It's real early uh, to your millions of listeners. Um, <laughs> got that I haven't right. even routed the board yet. There's nothing you can make yet. It's it's real early. Um, I want to do it, though. I think it'd be really cool. Hell yeah. We just need, yeah, we need to activate and get off. I mean, I will say, do not leave your fiat job until you're truly well like funded and able to do it because like that fiat paycheck is a good one to consistently get in but like we have such limited time on this beautiful earth where as quickly as possible want to be spending it doing what we are truly passionate about doing so like the three pillars being fun uh learning and like inspired to do it and making money and so like hopefully um you get funded for this as quickly as possible scott because this would be fucking awesome to support and we we gotta figure out um by the way the the 501c3 like donation vehicle i think i've i'm gonna figure that out next week eco where we don't even have to fuck around with it and get the money we can go have it pass through the and i'll explain this to you uh off off air but um and then just get it and then we can help divvy up where the money goes with this for with people this. who donate to the telehash exactly so like yeah. if you're like my friends that are donating like, you know, 10 to 100 sats, but then like your friends that are donating like hundred to thousands of Bitcoin, it's mm -hmm. it's good for everybody, you know? Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we got to get Scott some some dollars. So Scott, explain the, the team a little bit right now. Not team, but like the contributors maybe a little bit. Uh, yeah, we got um, uh, Johnny who's... Uh, done a lot of the firmware work, uh, cool guy. He's local to me. He, yeah, has done, done a lot of the work. He's managing the releases of the firmware for the BitX, which we call ESP Miner. Also, definitely interested in like increasing his availability to, to work on this. He's uh, the per person that you, for the open sets grant, you guys did the submission for both you guys? Mm-hmm, that's right. Cool. Yeah. Johnny. Uh, we also have uh, Ben, who has been helping out a lot on the firmware. He's he's a self-proclaimed software guy who had never soldered anything, and now he's getting into manufacturing these oh. boards. He is absolutely just killing it. Um, he, I can't believe how fast he picks up these things. He, he was the guy who just 
after a discussion, wrote his own solo mining pool software. Uh, he's, he's all over the place, but super talented. has been helping out a ton. Um, there's another guy, Sir Vapes a lot. I, I haven't met most of these people. Uh, who, who's been organizing the Discord, right? And it's been keeping... We, we, we went from zero to like we're at 750, I think, members just like yeah. overnight. So he's managing the Discord, like getting everyone connected, managing that uh, has has been really good. There's a couple other people who I think want to remain anonymous. Sure, but sure. We've yeah. got a couple electrical engineers who just showed up and were like, hey, I'm a professional electrical engineer. I love Bitcoin. I want to get involved. What can I do? And we're like, oh my gosh. All right. That's amazing. This is, this is where it starts to happen. So people, we've got, uh, Two people that showed up to that. One person is really, really good at reverse engineering this, like crazy cool uh, things that he has come up with. Um, so, Bidax offsite Bitcoin Park January, lock it in. Let's go. Um, you guys got to all come together. Uh, if whoever wants to come, whoever's contributed, come on, hit that Discord. It's a it's a pretty international uh, crowd too, which is has been awesome. It's like a lot of like yeah. I, I will say we uh, it is it's gonna, unfortunately it's getting a little bit more difficult to come to the states um, with the whole visa and all this other bullshit processes. But we did a couple weeks ago host the inaugural Global Bitcoin Summit, where we had uh, over a hundred. Uh, Developers, organizers, activists, entrepreneurs from six continents representing over 55 countries here in Nashville, Tennessee, many of whom for the first time ever stepping foot in the United States was like, or their first experience was in the United States was really Nashville, Tennessee, which is kind of cool. How cool is that? Yeah. Like, oh. That's why I like, it's kind of. You know, and maybe we can wrap up in the next few minutes, but because we've run over a bit. But this has been freaking awesome. Um, like whoever's listening at this point in time, they're, they're probably enamored by this project as Eco and I are. And if you're thinking of doing something, just start and like tinker a little bit, put it out there. V zero dot zero one sucks. I'm I'm on V zero dot zero or V0.99 of whatever of my life, and I'm just still tinkering away, <laughs> you know? And I'm just like, Eco's like, how do you even, like, put on your pants, man? Like, it takes, like, you're, like, anyways, I digress. But um, just start and, uh, and and just do and ship a little bit. There's, like, and that's the cool thing about Bitcoin, but, like, the common denominator, the capital B, the monetary network, this open source monetary network that is truly yeah. permissionless and censorship resistant that anyone can voluntarily participate in, whether they want to use the lowercase b, the reserve asset or not, as a medium exchange, you know, they could just transfer value across wherever and participate with mining, lightning, or wherever as well. Um, so wherever you think you can make a little bit of a contribution, just come on in. Absolutely. I can't, like, emphasize that enough. Like, it's been so rewarding. Just the people that show up yeah. and their enthusiasm and the cool, crazy stuff that you hear about. Oh, my gosh. It's unlimited coolness. Yeah, unlimited. and you, dude, you just never know what someone's going to take from your idea and, like, how they're going to run with it and what they're going to come up with it. You know, like, it's just... Put it out there. See what people do. That's why, like, you know, even though there's still so many attack vectors against Bitcoin, and I, like, we should talk about those more, uh, to be honest with you, in general conversations and then, like, 
But here are like little ways to build and fight against those, uh, which is like what you're doing with BitAx and a number of other folks are just doing out there. So it's imperative to all of us to be vigilant. And like it was funny at the Global Bitcoin Summit, I uh, truly a LARP. I'm like, you guys are real Bitcoiners. I'm just a, like a LARP Bitcoiner. You're using Bitcoin every single day to preserve your future purchasing power and using it for day-to-day transactions and living life on a Bitcoin standard because you have to. Whereas I do, but not like every single day and or I do use it every single day, but like not in the same degree, I would say, as those folks, if that makes any sense. It doesn't matter, man. It it's it like it doesn't matter, right? We don't need to gatekeep like that. Like whatever yeah. anyone will will take and appreciate whatever anyone can contribute totally in any way. Cause it's it's like this is how we move it forward. So totally. Um Eco, hey, should we do some closing thoughts here? Yeah, I just want to say this has been awesome. I've loved hearing about the bid acts. I've been watching on, I've been lurking on Twitter, watching for a while. And um, dude, it's just great to learn more about it and get more background on you and, you know, what you've got planned going forward. And I really hope you do get some funding because I think if you can focus on this full time, you and your team full time, it, who knows what this is going to unlock, but I do think you're going about it in a way. And I really want to highlight your point earlier about how there's kind of these three facets. There's the nodes, the wallets, and the mining. Two of the three are open source. And I think it's really important that the mining part of it is open source too. And who knows what that's going to unlock down the road. So I'm just going to be enjoying watching you and the BitAx project grow as time goes on. So, Hell yeah. Well said. Scott, we want to leave the audience with a, a closing thoughts, but also where they can find you. We'll also include this in the show notes. Well, you can, you can find sort of a, a very hastily put together webpage with all the links at bitax.org. By the way, are you wearing a BitAx shirt? Yeah. Yeah, I am. So Nice. That. that is cool. cool. Yeah. I, I need one right. of those. Eco needs one too. We, <laughs> can you buy them online or no? Right before, like the a couple days before mining disrupt, I was like, "Oh no, I need some some merch, some shirts." So I had some local dude like make them real quick. This is just a yeah. font I like found online and was just printed out. I was like, "It's dope." Got it going real quick. So no, you can't get them anywhere. Uh, but I think we probably need to put together some some shirts. Uh, Oh, that's another like quick tangent. Eco, we need outfit changes too for the telehash. Like, oh, really? Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're gonna have outfit changes. Uh, okay. Because like you know we gotta wear our like bid act shit, our other stuff. I feel like I gotta conclude in a tux when we're like you know near the end. So if like not maybe we go the dumber and dumber route with the blue and orange tux. Me and you. Oh man. You know? And, Don't uh, threaten yes. me with a good time, Rod. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's like, I feel like the, in order for the telehash to really work, we need to be constantly moving and constantly doing things and right. as well as talking. Um, so that was just another idea I had in my head. Um, dude, you are the man, Scott. Uh, thank you so much for spending. Like, we need to do another one of these uh, later down the road, and as well as obviously at the Telehash and the Nashville Energy Mining Summit in January. 
So uh, thanks again for spending time with us, and uh, we'll chat soon. Thank you so much for having me on. This has been great talking with you guys. Very cool. Cheers. Thanks, Scott.